big beat manifesto goes, big beats are the best, get high all the time. Right. At the time, it felt like a much more all-encompassing philosophy. Most people just go around nodding to the last opinion they heard, don't they? I agree. Excuse me, Melvin. Is one of you getting in? Bye, then. Bye. Thanks for a lovely afternoon of French cinema. Au revoir, mon ami. Indeedy. This is all so fucking sophisticated. See you tomorrow. A demain. No, you demain. <laughs> Why is that funny? Hey everybody, welcome to the L Dude Brothers podcast, episode 48, Nether Zone. My name's Sean, and I'm making my own hummus, Laura. <laughs> and my name's Laura, and I'm selling my clarinet on eBay. Oh no, I oh. didn't know you played the clarinet. I don't. I did violin lessons at school, but never the clarinet. Then how come your Twitter handle isn't hear me play violin? Um, I did also used to play the piano, but uh, it, that's because it's a Smith's lyric. Ah, okay. Maybe you should uh, like come up with a new theme song for our show, like on the piano. <laughs> Yeah, it wouldn't be very good. I can play Greensleeves and Ode to Joy quite well from memory, but that's it. <laughs> Unless you want either of those as the theme. Uh no, no. Well we're I'm fine with that. It's fine. It's okay. How's your week been? Uh well, had a little Monday was like a little bit of a downer. Wife in a car accident, but she is okay. Uh car, not so much. Wife, oh. okay though. So I guess that's what's important, but you know, it's still like all right, time to go car shopping. Any chance she could claim some sort of whiplash? I did. I actually got whiplash last year, and I got about two and a half grand compensation. Hmm. No, probably not, because she told the um, the police officer at the scene of the accident that she was fine. Oh, that's, um, that was a mistake right there. <laughs> uh, well, one thing I love about my wife is that she's honest, but... Sometimes she can be honest to a fault. Like, when we got rear-ended, like, three or four years ago, I went to the hospital because I was in a fucking shitload of pain. And I told my wife, I was like, well, you should probably see the doctor, too, you know, just in case. And she's like, no, 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 I'm not injured. And I'm like, sweet pea, you should go see the doctor. Not that I'm advocating committing insurance fraud or anything like that because I work for an insurance company. But, you know, I was like, you should see the doctor. And she was like, no, no, no. And... When all was said and done, I ended up getting probably about the same as you did, about like two and a half thousand dollars for injuries. Mm, yeah. And um, all I could think of was like, mm, well, this could have maybe been five thousand <laughs> if my wife had claimed injuries. Yeah. Jesus. Exactly. I'm sure she had. I'm sure, they would have picked up something like in her shoulder. That was uh, yeah. Oh well, yeah. well, happy car shopping anyway. Ugh. No, like yesterday we had to deal with. This guy who might as well have been fucking Alan Johnson. Not like having sex with Alan Johnson, but might as well have been Alan been Johnson. Him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He used all the business, you know, the business jargon and, um, you know, was like the really like high powered salesman. And it was just like, oh my God, man, you're making me tired here, buddy. I know, I know exactly what if Phil was privy to this conversation, he would say my husband he would say make sure you get one with an onboard computer that is his dream is a car with an onboard computer so live phil's dream and find something that's got like space station levels of technology in it oh it's funny you say that because that's what nicole wants as well so we're <laughs> i mean my car's barely got air conditioning so it's a long <laughs> way away from we're not living the dream but yeah you can live his dream for him 
Well, what might be what might sound weird to you guys over there is that my wife is also kind of dead set against getting a manual transmission. No, I can only drive an automatic. I think we've had this conversation before, so that sounds entirely sensible to me. Yeah, well, I keep telling her like, "Hey, how about this? I buy a manual. You just take my car, and then I get a, the stick shift that I've wanted for years now, and you get a nice manual that you can drive forever, or you yeah. get a nice automatic that you can drive forever." Yeah, I mean that's what we have. Is Phil's got a, a a manual car, and I've got an automatic. So I knew I liked Phil. <laughs> he could drive a proper car. I can't. Did you have fun live tweeting the uh, royal wedding? Oh, yesterday? I had so much fun live tweeting the royal wedding. So. I went out the night before with my best friend and got quite drunk and Phil said, there's no way you're going to get up for this. Like, cause the coverage started at eight o'clock, but I did. I, I actually didn't have a hangover, but even if I had have, I would have just to listen to all the pundits talking about the dresses and speculating on who was going to be there. And then I loved it in of itself. And then I loved all the peep show memes that were doing the rounds and making my own. I had so much fun on Twitter yesterday. Oh my God, those memes that you made yesterday were so motherfucking <laughs> funny. It was just brilliant. There's still there's still our great memes flying around. So I'm just I'm just loving the Royal Wedding. I'm going to be so sad when the weekend's over and no one's interested anymore. I, like legitimately, our Facebook page's traffic and our Twitter account's traffic was probably about the highest that it's ever been yeah, in it was, a it was crazy. year and a half of existence of those pages. So many people were interacting with it. And uh, yeah, the the Royal Wedding hashtag is so worth looking at, even without the peep show side of it, because there was just some, there just is some really funny shit out there. Unfortunately, over here in America, there are some salty bitches about the amount of coverage that the Royal Wedding was getting. I mean, has it got uh, a lot of coverage over there? Uh, I mean, I think that the news outlets are covering it just because it's a sat- it was on a Saturday, and Saturday and Sunday are typically slow news days, so there was you know not really much else to cover. But it was just really funny on Facebook. There was somebody who posted a a meme of like some Revolutionary War soldiers from America, and it was it said like we died so that we wouldn't have to give a shit about the royal wedding. <laughs> I, you sent me one of those. I I did enjoy that. That did make me laugh. Uh... I mean, I'm no royalist at all. I mean, I'm sounding like a mad cat lady royalist, I know. I mean, I've got no interest in the royal family, really. But when it comes to a royal wedding, it's just, you know, it's, a, it's just something about being British and being here. You know, there's bunting up and down our road. It's, it's, it's all been very exciting. Well, the other thing, too, is that, um, and again, this podcast is apolitical. This is not a political discussion. It's more of a truth telling uh kansas being very conservative conservatives in america for some reason really seem to get offended when any when there's any sort of press coverage of any international event there's a lot of like uh who cares this isn't america this is america not insert whatever country here so on like my no local news station there was a lot of people who were like uh who cares who cares who cares and i'm like I'm like, that's wonderful. I'm I'm really glad that we got your input on how much you give a shit. Now, just shut the fuck up. <laughs> and if you know she is an American after all, so, but I think she yeah. has she has had to perhaps give her Americanness up. I don't know. Don't quote me on that. But 
I think she might have become a British citizen now, but she, you know, she's still essentially an American. It, you know, it's it's nice. We all came together. That pasta was insane. It was just it was just a nice day. It just it it cracks me up how much effort people po put into posting about how they don't care about things. Exactly, exactly. If you don't care, just shut up. Go and do something else. Yeah. I remember, like two or three years ago when Pokemon Go was fucking gigantic and there were all these people that were just shitting on Pokemon Go about like how stupid it is. This is fucking stupid. And I was just, every time I would see that comment, I would just respond with, well, I'm, I'm glad that you don't care about this at all. You know, you obviously <laughs> don't care about it at all since you're taking time to post about how much you don't care about it at all. I tell you what, I really hated Pokemon Go because one of the hotspots was right outside my garden gate. So I had kids and bloody God knows who else hanging around all times of the day and night outside my back garden. <laughs> that was a craze. I was glad to see the back off. Was there some sort of monument near your garden or something? I don't know. It was like, what did they call them? It was something like a Pokemon farm or something was going on outside the back of my garden. Okay. Nerd discussion over. <laughs> so I suppose we should really talk about peep shows. That's what we're here to do. Yes, and this is an episode I'm super excited to talk about. Yeah, I so you said that to me off air, and I found that I wasn't very excited. I didn't like this episode very much. I didn't think much of it at the time, and I didn't think much of it now either. Sorry. Really? Does your rating of this episode reflect that misguided it, view? It, it, it does. It does. Keep that in okay. your mind for later. Yeah. Okay. Wow, this is going to be a fun episode. Then we're gonna yeah. maybe we're maybe this will be the last episode of the LT Brothers <laughs> podcast because <laughs> maybe this will be the first time we really disagree. Yeah, well, I hope so. Um, <laughs> one thing I just find so incredible about this episode is that I feel like that you could make this episode is practically like a one-act play. Oh, definitely, it's got an interest in. Uh, especially as an English teacher, it is really interesting the way it's staged. I would suggest it was maybe staged to save money. I think I might have said that before. Maybe they told them there's not enough money in the budget for more sets for, or you know, you've got this many sets, so they had to do it in one place, maybe. But you could do this on a stage, no problem. Yeah, I just think it's incredible. Though, you know, it, it was hard for me when I was taking notes because there's not really actual scene transitions because pretty much this entire episode takes place in one location and that's the nether zone and in real time as well i think for maybe the first time ever oh really i didn't know that i mean there's no kind of there's nothing to suggest that other than the fact that like you say it's sort of filmed in one continue it feels like one continuous take yeah it's pretty you know i i think it's interesting we haven't really had an episode like this outside of maybe party where there's yeah. you know just one you know everything just kind of place. takes place in one area but as well as the one place situation here for a lot of the episode it's just a two-hander there really is only jez and mark in it yeah which is funny too because i think this episode also probably has the least amount of internal dialogue of any episode yeah yeah which again makes sense because they're together the whole time really and yeah there's not a lot to to think about that's private because they just say it to each other yeah um well so let's go ahead and just kick this thing off so this first scene is probably one of the most uh 
different ones in terms of set. Like basically Mark is in a phone booth and he's talking to Jeremy and Jeremy is at Zara's, which is interesting. Yes. Um, he phones Jeremy and asks where he is because he says that they're going to be late for the christening. Mark is at a station in a phone box and uh, Jeremy was meant to be there 15 minutes before. Can you just explain to me what a christening actually is? Is it like a baptism? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Oh, okay. I assumed that they were similar, but, you know... Yeah, there's no difference. It's just a different word. Does it seem weird to you that Mark is all of a sudden... That, like, Mark really cares about going to this religious service all of a sudden? It's a bit odd, isn't it? But I guess going from the wedding he and Sophie had, my guess would be that it's just because Sophie's a bit posh and her family are a bit horsey. And this is what posh, horsey people do is have church weddings, have christenings. And Mark wants to... I don't think Mark's necessarily bothered about the christening, but he is bothered about making a good impression as a father. Yeah, I guess that's I guess that's true. Um, Jeremy gives Mark like a ton of shit about being in a phone booth. He asks if he puts a far put a farthing in the slot. He tells Zara in kind of this sarcastic tone, like, "Hey, Mark's in a phone box." And Zara asks if he's Mark is doing it ironically, and um, <laughs> Mark says, "No, he got rid of his mobile." And Jeremy, in a somewhat prophetic line, says, oh my god, this is massive, what are you going to do next, move into a hut and start drinking your own piss? Yeah, not that Mark ever drinks his own piss, but Jeremy does later on. Um, it's, uh, I don't think there are any phone boxes now, and I don't think you could get away with getting rid of your mobile. I think this dates this episode, I think, I can't think of anyone who's not got a mobile phone, other than my daughters, who are three and one. Uh, aside from that, I don't know anyone who hasn't got a mobile phone. I don't even remember the last time I saw a payphone, to be honest no, with you. I couldn't tell you where there is one. I was just thinking that. So I was thinking if I walked out of my house now and like walked to the train station and then walked further down and walked into the town, I, I can't think where there is one. I know where there used to be one that definitely isn't there anymore near the station, but they're, they're all gone. Yeah. The last place I remember ever seeing a payphone was in my high school in our um, like common area. We had this giant bank of about 20 payphones on the wall. Like a prison. Yeah, like a prison. <laughs> we had one in my secondary school as well. It was only one, but it's gone now. I know from visiting my school and it's no longer there. I'm sure that it's just, you know, as cell phones have come, well, obviously, like that's the no shit statement of the year. But pretty much as cell phones have just, you know, have totally co-opted the payphone environment. Yeah, they just don't exist. How would you even... I mean, I'm sure you could exist without a cell phone, but god damn, that'd be so hard. Yeah, it would be. I don't, I don't know. I'm not willing to try. No, god no. A couple years ago, my cell phone, I plugged it in and the charging port started smoking. Oh, God, that's my and worst it, nightmare. Yeah, and it just turned off. And I had an older cell phone, so when I called uh, Sprint, my cell phone provider, to use my warranty on it, they were like, uh, this is kind of an old phone. We're going to have to order one from our warehouse, and it's going to take about four days to come in. And I was <laughs> like, what? For, what? Why? N no. No, it's <laughs> later today. Ever. Four hours? <laughs> four minutes? Like, 
what what are we talking here? And they're like, no, no, four days. So for four fucking days, I didn't have a cell phone, and it was hellacious. Yeah, I'm I'm getting a bit panicky now because my phone in front of me is on 28, 27%. Now, I haven't got anywhere to be tonight. I've got a charger right next to me. I could put it in if I want, but the very fact of it not being at full charge is, is giving me the heebie-jeebie. <laughs> so that's how attached to my phone I am. Oh, you're one of those people too, where like ninety eight percent might as well be like four percent. Yeah, I got a got a charging cable next to my computer at school, and the kids take the piss all the time about how my phone's always on charge and it must always be a hundred percent. Remind me to send you a YouTube video later of how bad that is for your phone. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it is really bad for my phone, but it's like my OCD. I understand, but you're actually. You're actually damaging your battery by charging it so much. Yeah, I know you need to make it make it go down, which is why I'm being good now and letting it letting it go down. And that's why it's at twenty seven percent, but I don't like it. My cell phone, the battery is fucking atrocious on it, and if I just sneeze, it goes from a hundred to like seventy percent before I know what's up. Oh, that's like iPhones, as soon as they age in any way, like this is a relatively new iPhone, I only got it at Easter, so it's still pretty good, but they just start absolutely drinking charge. And you know what is happening now? I don't know if this is a London thing, but if you're in central London where there are a lot of people, so like for a concert, and you don't turn off your like cellular data, it just fucks your battery. So me and my sister were at Phil Collins last year in, in Hyde Park because we we're really cool. And <laughs> we had um, we had both had iPhones on like 100% charge. And just the act of all these phones being together, like everyone was talking about it in the crowd. Our phones were getting hot. They were going down. And we both ended up with like 10% battery and couldn't call a cab to pick us up from the station. So if anyone understands why that is, please tweet me because it's happened to me more than once now. Yeah, I think, I, and I'm not an expert, I think it is because <laughs> all the cell phones in close proximity cause interference for each other. Yeah, they're just freaking each other out, basically. Yeah. Um, so, but we find out why Mark has gotten rid of his mobile phone here because they have a landline, times are hard. Mark is also putting his clarinet on eBay and he's making my, he's making his own hummus. This is the end times and a mobile is a luxury. Jeremy is worried that if he ever needs to suddenly contact Mark that he won't be able to, like if he takes a mega trip and forgets who he is. <laughs> Um, he, you know, what if they run out of Marmite and Mark's at the corner shop? These are all real life, uh, real life nightmare scenarios, which I totally agree with. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Mark then says, look, I'm going to come and get you. So where are you? And Jeremy says that he's at Zara's and Mark instantly thinks that something dodgy has gone on here. He says, all right. And Jeremy is quick to jump to his own defense and say no no he, they were doing some work for ben and it got late and he ended up staying over on the sofa Yep, and uh mark says that he's gonna you know that he's gonna get him a cab and that he'll be on the way over um <laughs> as they hang up the phone in one of my favorite little scenes here it always cracks me up um jeremy has like a french press coffee maker and he just says mm -hmm. He looks at Zara and he says, right, I'm rolling. Okay, let's brew this thing. And he like just slams the handle down super hard, like harder than you're probably supposed to. The French press pretty much breaks and then coffee just goes everywhere. And Jeremy... Yeah, he's not like on properly, is it? So he just, as he puts the, as he goes to press it down, it just 
pulled over. And Zara just kind of looks at Jeremy and she's just like, okay, bye. And just walks out the door. <laughs> the look on Zara's face is brilliant. Like she, she just looks at him like, you're a fucking idiot. That is the look. Yeah. Uh, so next we flash forward a few more minutes and Mark and Jeremy are in Zara's apartment and Mark just wants to know how long the washing machine is going to take. Jeremy doesn't know. It could be like 15 minutes. It could be like 18 hours. He normally just bangs out a load and leaves it in there for a couple days, which is my preferred method of washing clothes. Yeah, so we got a new washing machine last year that now tells you how long it's going to take. But before that, that was mine as well. Like, I had no idea how long cycles took. And we just, you know, you couldn't wash anything quickly. <laughs> yeah, Jeremy is upset because he can see the trousers, but he can't take the trousers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he can't get to them yeah. um and mark says that he's going to buy him some trousers on the way because they need to leave which upsets jeremy because he thinks he's going to get a pair of tesco jeans and then he spies a pair of jeans that are ben's and he says he's going to borrow them and get them back yeah and uh he puts on ben's like hipster jeans <laughs> and you can totally tell that they are uh hipster ben jeans and mark just thinks oh great Steal his woman, steal his trousers, you and your wicked willy. <laughs> so, so as oh, so we go. Oh, okay. I was just gonna ask because I want to get kind of your opinion on this. At this point, watching this episode for the first time, did you think that Zara and Ben, or uh, excuse me, Zara and Jeremy had slept together? I didn't. I didn't know because actually, normally Jeremy's pretty open about being a dirty dog, and on this occasion, he's he seems quite genuine when he says it didn't happen. What about you? I I think that I was kind of in the same boat as you, where I was just like, okay, yeah, they didn't... Yeah, Jeremy seems, like, hyper-defensive of this. They didn't do anything. They didn't do anything. Yeah, yeah, we were fools. Because as we go out into the hallway, he continues with this um, protestation that it's not happened. And he says, has it ever occurred to you that two human beings can have a relationship without sex being involved you think you know me so well but you don't and mark is just like look i do know you and you once told me that chairs make you feel horny <laughs> uh jeremy says he's not some filthy sex beast but he's capable of higher thoughts he does have feelings ambitions and dreams and he thought of that hat that could keep a beer cool <laughs> So as they go to open the door, Mark says that there's a mini cab place not far from the flat. And he is saying all this as he's opening the door, but then finds that the lock is not budging. I really don't understand this. I mean, I know it's a sitcom, so I know it's just supposed to be funny. But under what scenario would you be able to lock yourself inside a building? This could happen. This could happen. This has happened to me. Okay, uh, how does this work? So, if you live in a flat that's like converted, ha it's a converted house essentially, of which there are lots in London. So it's a big house that's been split up. So certain rooms are flats in of themselves, and the hallway has got a front door. So that would have been the original front door of the house. So you've got two keys. You've got the one that opens up the original front door of the house that takes you into the nether zone and one that opens the front door of your actual flat. And if you, so if you leave, if someone leaves the house from another flat and double locks the door with that key and you don't have that key, you're not getting out. Oh, okay. 
Interesting. Yeah. This is this is a thing that could and does happen, and I know lots of people that this has happened to. Particularly if you've like stayed over at someone's house or had a one night stand, you've tried to creep away from and found that you're locked in the building. Interesting. I honestly didn't know that. I just assumed this was yeah. some stupid fucking sitcom thing. <laughs> no, it could happen. So I've lived in a modern flat as well, where this couldn't happen. Like a newly built modern flat. That's purpose built as such, you wouldn't get locked in the nether zone. But if it's an old house that's been converted, then you definitely could. Interesting. Um, Jeremy tells Mark to turn the knob. They get into this discussion about, you know, if he's turning the knob properly or not. Jeremy offers to try and he says, let me try. And he looks at Mark and he says, Mr. Patheto hand. And as he jiggles the door, he just says, oh. And then Mark thinks to himself, a little pleased he didn't manage it with ease. <laughs> yeah. Um, they then realize that someone has double locked the door and they're stuck. Yep. And Mark just says, fucking fuckle bucks, which is one of my favorite Mark lines. And I actually do use this line somewhat frequently at work. <laughs> uh, Jeremy says not to swear. He's going to give Zara a ring. So he on his mobile rings Zara, but it goes straight to her voicemail. And he says that, they're locked in the building. So if she could come back and release them from the cage, that would be appreciated. Um, and Mark freaks out, like immediately freaks out. He says that we can't get back into her flat and we can't get out into the world. We're trapped in this area. Uh, but Jeremy has a solution. He's just going to debit or credit card the lock. Um, <laughs> to which Mark replies, that's a debit card. After about <laughs> five seconds of trying to debit card the lock jeremy just says oh fuck this is impossible it's irresponsible films to make out that this is an option at all because it just isn't and this reminded me when i lived in dorms when i was in the military you could pop the locks open with a butter knife right yeah so what they really needed was a butter knife and not a credit card yeah when i lived in halls of residence the windows you could open with a butter knife so that's clearly a a con that works on a lot of locks you're right a, a debit card was not what they needed there um mark of course as always with mark this really triggers his anxiety he thinks he's the sort of person who rewinds even if they miss a tiny bit of film but now he's gonna miss the whole of his son's christening and he thinks to himself you know Without my dad, without my record of punctuality, I've got nothing in the dad bank. He starts pounding on the different flats, and then he tells Jeremy to ring Zara again. Yeah, um, Jeremy says that he hasn't got any battery. He's only got a milli bit of power bar left, and then says, you know, I suppose if you had a phone, that might be quite useful. And Mark, just in his, you know, rage at the situation, says that, yeah, he's wrong. Any attempt he makes to get out of the debt-driven rat race is immediately punished, and he realizes that karma always gets him. Yep. Uh, I really like this part, especially in, in light of our last conversation about our phone charging habits. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I'd ever let my phone get down to a milli bit of power bar left. No, and I guess I was thinking about this. So maybe in 2009... Perhaps it would have been easier for this to happen when there were lots of different phones and lots of different chargers. But now most people have got either an iPhone or a phone that charges with like a mini US, um, a mini HDMI. And so most people have got one of those in their drawer and could probably charge anyone's phone. So I don't think that this is as likely to happen now. Yeah, I forgot about those uh, 
shitty days when every phone would have its own unique charger and um yeah i mean those were dark days thank god we've come forward now and all basically are charging off the same things well that's what's funny is my phone now charges off of uh so the standard jesus christ never mind i don't even want to get into this but um (laughs) my phone uses a different cable than my wife's phone so that always is a little annoying that's I mean, you're entirely wrong for each other in that case. You need to have the wrong... You need to have the same same phone charger. Well, eventually all phones are going to change over... Uh, all Android phones are going to change over to USB-C, so I will be ahead of the curve, and I'll just be like, fuck all of y'all. I've got <laughs> USB-C cables already, bitch. Um, I, think, I think iPhones are not even going to have charger cables soon. I think the next thing will be that they're going to be wireless charging and then that's going to cause its own problems yeah they're actually building new cars now that have wireless charging stations built into them but they are make sure your new car has that oh uh, we're not getting a fancy enough car for that <laughs> shit <laughs> so mark then manages to persuade jeremy to let him borrow the phone and he says he's going to make one call to um director inquiries and he phones asking for thornton heath locksmiths and they put him through um, Jeremy's cross because he says that's two calls, but he says it counts as one. Um, <laughs> he Mark then gets through to the locksmith and explains the situation, but says he's locked himself in his own flat, but then falls flat on his face when he doesn't know the address, which you think he would have um, he would have sort of foreseen this because in uh, the one where what's the name of the episode where Jeremy he pretends to live in the Orgazoid's house. He falls into the same trap, doesn't he? Yeah, handyman. Yeah, he does. Handyman, yes. Yeah, yeah. So you would have thought he would have been prone to this situation, but he isn't, and the locksmiths hang up on him, calling him a prong. <laughs> uh, Jeremy is concerned that the air supply is going to run out sooner or later, and uh, Mark just gives him this look, and Jeremy just says, What? I'm not an idiot. Why does that make me an idiot? <laughs> <laughs> so Mark at this point is in full on panic mode. He's saying, should we phone the police or the fire brigade? He says, if we ring one of them, they're going to tell the others because they're all friends. And um, and Jeremy says, look, no, this phone doesn't fuck around. Like, it's on red and it is going to die soon. And I'm really hungry, so I need to uh, ring for a pizza. Yep, my phone is the exact same way. When it gets down to about 10%, 10% might as well be 1%. It does not fuck around. Yeah. No. Um, so yeah, Mark says you can't use the, we can't waste the only bit of power we've got on pizza. And Jeremy says he's hungry. He didn't have any breakfast or would you have us both starved to death? Uh, and then he orders a large pizza. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see here. Um, uh, Mark also tries at this point, he like kind of crouches down in front of the door and he's trying to use his watch to, um, send out a sos like catch the sunlight off his watch face uh jeremy thinks maybe you'll attract a naval captain who can come rescue us with his frigate and he just says it with uh super you know contempt uh jeremy also says that he really has to pee and they don't know he's not quite sure where to go he doesn't know which area to make disgusting (laughs) and uh Mark says that he's not having a disgusting area. Instead, he tells him that if he needs to, we can do it out of the letterbox. Which I think is a very reasonable solution to this problem. Yes, to be fair. Maybe um, not for your, maybe not for you, but definitely no, for but, me. You know, for for them, it's fine. So, um, 
he so Jeremy's not into this. He says he doesn't really fancy that because what if someone comes by and tries to turn off the nozzle? What if a squirrel wants a sausage? Uh, and then he says that he doesn't just send his member out into the world solo to seek his fortune. I look after him and he looks after me. That's the contract. Yep, the litter box is not a glory hole for urine. <laughs> oh, Jeremy. Yep. Um, then um, Mark says that he is going to kick the door in. That's his solution. He's going to kick it in. Oh, my God. I love the contempt in Jeremy's voice when he just says, Mark Corrigan is going to kick down a door with <laughs> yeah. your leg with enough force <laughs> it's going to be smashed open and then Jeremy just makes himself comfortable on the stairs and he just says go go gadget leg Mark runs up and just kicks the door but it doesn't even like budge and Jeremy tells them <laughs> that it's going to take only a million or more kicks like that and they'll be out of there and Mark just says fuck you I'm wearing the wrong shoes <laughs> Yeah, um, Jeremy just isn't really taking this seriously, and Mark is sort of screaming by this point, saying he's really, really screwed. And Jeremy says, "Look, Zara's going to ring back, but until she does, we can't do anything. Like we're in the never zone. Time moves differently in the never zone." And Mark says that he can't relax; like he owes it. The gravity of the situation means that he should be freaked out. Like it would be disrespectful of the situation to not be freaked out. But Jeremy doesn't agree. Yeah. Yeah, uh, not at all. Um, Jeremy just says, look, we're here for the duration. Let's chill out. Um, so they decide to... Jeremy just tries to start asking Mark stupid questions, and he says, uh, okay, uh, if you had to, would you have sex with me? And Mark kind of dismisses this question as a stupid question, and Jeremy just says, well, if you had to... If the men came and made us with their guns, Mark says that he could, as long as he knew knew that Jeremy wasn't any kind of pauses. And Jeremy just says, what? And Mark just says, enjoy it. I think I could make it through as long as I knew you weren't enjoying it. Yeah, Jeremy takes great offense to this. He says he can't believe that he could rape him, but he couldn't make love to him. And he says, that's so you, that is you all over. Oh my God. Oh, I just think that part's so funny where especially the like sheepish look on David Mitchell's face when he says enjoy it. Oh. Oh god. It complete it completely does sum up Mark's character though. Jeremy's not wrong about that. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think I could I don't think I could have sex with my best guy friend just on a whim. <laughs> no, but it's it is it's I'm not saying I could either, but it's indicative of Mark as a person that Jeremy has hit the nail right on the head. He could do a rape, but he couldn't make love to him. Well, it's also a little different for you than it is for us, because I think if yes. somebody had a gun to my head and was like, have sex with your best guy friend, I'd be like, I don't... It, <laughs> I, I can't. I can't. Yeah. I literally can't. Like, yeah. you're going to have to shoot me here. <laughs> so Jeremy um, decides he still wants to get a conversation going, so he asks Mark a history question. He says, what would you have done in France in the war? Would you have joined the resistance or not? And Mark just says dismissively that he is not getting into that. What do you think, Laura? Would you have joined the resistance or not? Definitely not. No. <laughs> no way. What about you? I kind of think I would have been forced to join the resistance, a man of, like, fighting age. 
Uh, yeah, I guess that's true. It would have all got a bit lame is for you. No, I would have been an absolute coward in any situation like that. But at least I can hold my hands up and say, no, I would be a coward. Yeah, you'd be trying to like teach the soldiers how to read and they'd be like, yeah, this isn't important to us right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Mark says he's not getting into that, but Jeremy says, you you know, you want to though, don't you? I've, I've tickled your historical G-spot. And um, Mark says he wants him to take the situation seriously because he is meant to be the baby's godfather and they are still stuck here. Um, and then he looks out of a first floor window and says, do you think this is too high to jump from? Yeah, and uh, I'll be honest, when Mark says that he would just lower themselves down and then drop, I was like, oh, yeah, that's a really great idea. You should do that because it was maybe... 15 feet david mitchell is probably about six ish feet tall so by the time yeah. he lowered himself out you know he probably lowered himself out a good eight nine feet yeah exactly if you lowered yourself out this was always what we were taught as children to do if there was a fire like you know you're only on the first floor there's so you know like you say it's probably only about 20 feet you're probably like nearly five of those feet you you know you wouldn't you might hurt yourself a bit but you're probably not going to hurt yourself that badly. I mean, I'll be honest, even if you fell 15 feet, you're probably not going to hurt yourself that badly. No, exactly. Um, but he, Mark's not sure about it. He does, I think he logically knows he could probably make it, but he just isn't sure that he could. Um, and then he says that he knows he's got to do something, though, because he needs to be at his son's christening. Yeah, um... They also then get into a discussion about the name of the baby. Uh, we find out that the baby's name, uh, that Mark has spent a substantial amount of time negotiating to get Sophie to agree to James Ian rather than Ian James after her dad. And Jeremy just says, oh, baby Ian. Mm, Ian Chapman. You'd have a baby that sounds like a solicitor. Yeah, Ian is not a name that lends itself to a baby. Now, I know Ian's were once babies, but um, there are just some names that are not baby names, are they? And Ian is one of them. Really? You don't like the name Ian? I do not like the name Ian, no. I would not call my son Ian. Oh, well. Poor little <laughs> baby Ian that doesn't exist. <laughs> I just think it's a, it's a man's name, so that's great, because Ian... Baby Ian will grow up to be a man, but it just it just isn't a child's name. Well, I guess I'll scratch that one off my na list of potential <laughs> names. Jesus. Um, so Mark says he needs to make sure that she doesn't swerve off road at the last moment. Um, but this is moot, I think, because legally the baby's name would also have to have already been registered. So I hate to live so relentlessly in the real world, but this is... Whatever his name is, is already the baby's name. See, and this is what confused me about christenings. I didn't know if this was like a naming ceremony or something like that. Like, No, it holds no legal, like, no legal weight whatsoever. Okay, see, I didn't know if this was like a royals, like a royals thing where the baby is born and then for like a week it doesn't have a name and then all of a sudden it's like Prince Louis the 14th Duke of... Sussex or whatever the fuck no, their new no, one is what, called. No, what happens here is you have a baby and then you've got like six weeks to take it to the offices where they do these things, give it a legal name and that's it. That's how you get a name. <laughs> Interesting. So maybe in days of yore, the christening might have been 
because we do still say Christian name. So I'm guessing that, yeah, that this was something in days of yore, but not anymore. So it's silly, really. But, you know, it's a comedy. I'm picking holes in this, but baby James Ian or Ian James is already called that. Jeremy says that uh, if he needed to jump out the window, he'd just jump over the trellis, bounce off the wall, hit the ground, parachute, roll, you know, just basic moves. And Mark just challenges him to do it, and Jeremy just says, nope, uh, I'm not in the mood. (laughs) Mark wonders if he could jump. He might make it easily, but then more likely he'd just splatter like a blood-filled pumpkin. Uh, at this point, Mark walks downstairs and he sees Jeremy like peeing out the um, out the um, mail slot. Yeah, and he says, "What if someone outside thinks it's some sort of comment?" Um, and Mark then adds, "He hopes that there's no black or minority ethnic person walking past who thinks that it is a comment." And Jeremy says, "It's not. It's not hate piss. It's a perfectly friendly piss." <laughs> And at this point, the pizza delivery man shows up. And I know this is, this is, I'm not the first one to bring this up, but just for the sake of podcasting, I do want to make sure that I do bring it up. How is Jeremy able to remember the address for the pizza delivery man, but not for the fucking locksmith? Yeah, good point. Well made. Again, something that we, that they've not, there's a bit of a hole there, but hey, the pizza delivery man's here and he has got the pizza, but. Jeremy realizes that he can't deliver it through the door, which you would have thought might have occurred to him previously. Yeah. Um, we do see the first, uh, we do see Jeremy's first idea, which is just to have him pass it through the um, letterbox, but the little bristles that are on the letterbox, like strip all the cheese off. And it's just. Well, first of all, he says, doesn't he put the box through, but it's too big. So then he's like piece by piece, but then yeah, the brush. Uh, they're getting fucked by the brush. Oh. The brush takes all the cheese off. Yeah, and it's so gross and uh, so grim. He's just pissed out there. Yeah, and um, Jeremy offers Mark one of the slice of pizzas, and Mark just says, "A slice of bristly cheese-free pizza, lightly brushed in your piss. How can I refuse?" <laughs> Jeremy asks the eternal question: What happens if you eat letterbox hair? And Mark just says, "Strangely, there's been very little research into this scenario." which is a really good one, a really classic line, one that you see frequently in memes. Yeah, he says he doesn't even understand why Post needs brushing. Who wants brush Post? But then he realises that um, if he uses like a leaflet that's been put through the door, the guy can wrap the pizza in the leaflet and put it through the door. Now, I have to say this is the most understanded pizza delivery man ever because I used to work for... I, work, I think I mentioned this last week that I worked for both Pizza Hut and Domino's. And the guys that delivered those pizzas were like the most work-shy, fucking miserable fellas going. They would not have hung around to do this. Oh, uh, 100%. I wouldn't either. I'd have been like, no, fuck <laughs> you, man. I'm just going to leave this pizza on the ground out here. You can just fuck right off. Yeah. Um, but Jeremy's so pleased with himself that he's worked this out and he says that they can take this idea to the dragons on Dragon's Den. Yeah. And I got to be honest, if... Uh... Shark Tank is any indication. I think this would be something that they would bid on. Is Shark Tank your word for Dragon's Den? Is that what you call that? Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, Shark Tank is the American uh, American equivalent of Dragon's Den. I mean, they do pick up some absolute shit. So, yeah, I can see them picking this up. Yeah, it's crazy. The most successful product in the history of Shark Tank is called Scrub Buddy. And it's a it's a scrubbing sponge that has like a smiley face cut into it. 
that sounds shit. Well, that's why they're probably millionaires now and I'm not. Jesus Christ, do you ever watch... Do you, are you a Dragon's Den fan? When it was first on, yeah, I used to watch it. Not anymore because we're in series like 47 and they're just buying shit at this point. Do you ever look at the stuff that they offer to support and you're just like, I could have fucking thought of that. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, definitely. I mean, over here, probably the most successful Dragon's Den guy is a guy called Levi Roots who I suggest you later on google because you'll see his like the time he went into the dragons and he sang a song and he sang a song about spicy sauce they made and he's become like they've got there's levi roots restaurant trains that uh, chains and all sorts like he is he is a fucking mogul at this point and yeah i'm sure i could have made some sort of spicy sauce and sung a song about it (laughs) yeah um so, yeah, so the pizza delivery guy, Jeremy just sticks a bunch of mail through the the post bin, and then the pizza delivery guy starts piece by piece sliding the pizza through the letterbox covered with the post on both sides to protect it. Mark really wants to eat a piece, but he can't because that would mean Jeremy wins. <laughs> yeah, and that's the last thing that Mark would ever want to happen. Um, at this point... He's um, Jeremy's mobile phone rings and it's Ben and he's Ben obviously asked where he is and he says he's at home right now and Mark notes that he is lying and wonders why that is yeah and uh, as soon as he hangs up the phone Jeremy just starts going oh shit oh shit Ben's coming here he's got a key he's gonna pick up his laptop and Mark thinks that this is great news they might make it to the christening in time but uh, Jeremy just says everything is triple fucked. Mark, kind of already knowing what the answer is going to be, just says, oh, why? And Jeremy just says, because I did sleep with Zara last night. Okay, if you really want to know. And I just, was there ever any doubt in your mind when they introduced Zara that her and Jeremy were going to end up hooking up? No. Uh, uh, you know, that's just what he does. He always, always sleeps with the person he shouldn't sleep with. Yeah. And uh, Mark is offended, and he asks Jeremy, well, why did you have such a go at me for being filthy-minded? And Jeremy just says, oh, I don't know. I was on a roll. I was enjoying being very self-righteous. But then he tells Mark that the sex was terrible. They didn't connect. She's Lego. He's a stickle brick. (laughs) She's very orally focused, whereas I'm... And then Mark, before Jeremy can finish, Mark just says, it's fine. Yeah. Did Did you think this was weird that Jeremy was talking about how bad the sex was with Zara because I don't think there's any realm where that's actually a true statement oh I don't know I guess yeah I guess I've said to my friends if I've had some yeah like in a situation like that where you've slept with someone once or whatever yeah I think I mean Jeremy I think Jeremy at this point knows it's been an error do you think I think he I don't know but then maybe not I don't know maybe it's just Jeremy being honest and um Jeremy knows that he's going to lose the best job he ever had. Uh, But he is, Mark says that the way to stop yourself from losing the best job you've ever had would be to not sleep with women who are already in relationships. That's that's where you're going wrong. And Jeremy just, you know, is like, oh, that's nice. Kick the dirty dog while he's down. And then uh, the dirty dog... Uh, the dirty, filthy dog deserves another quick boot to his tender nuts. <laughs> and Mark thinks that he, it is quite nice kicking him in his tender nuts, the filthy, filthy bastard. 
Yeah. Um, so Jeremy, at this point, they've switched roles now. Jeremy is as eager to leave as Mark was five minutes ago. And he says, we've got to get out of here. And Jeremy says, yes, that's been my view for some time as it happens. And Jeremy has sort of scrambled up the stairs and he's looking out of this same first floor window. And he says, is this the same window? Because it looks much higher up. And Mark says, what? Because you're actually considering jumping out of it now. (laughs) (laughs) And Mark just says, Jeremy's just a pathetic worm like he is. Um, Ben's going to be there any minute. Um, And uh, Jeremy says that they've got to hide. And... Mark asks him if he if Jeremy's going to pretend to be a stuffed beast or an extremely peculiar peculiarly shaped piece of parcel. Yes. Um. At this point, Jeremy calls him Doctor Sarcasmo and says he's found something and he sort of found this sort of under the stairs area and he says we could utilize this. It could be where we sleep or do our business. And Mark says that he's not sleeping or shitting in this area. Thanks all the same. And uh, Jeremy just says it could be an area for them to hide when Ben comes. At this point, Mark notices that there's like a crossword puzzle laying on the ground. And Mark picks it up and he just thinks to himself, uh, didn't get four across boat, but they ace solipsism. Who is this person? <laughs> and I always just, this line just always cracks me up for some reason. Because it's, it's such a Mark thing to care about. Yeah, it's, who's looking at other people's crosswords? Oh, Mark is, that's who. Um, Jez then finds this, like, bracket for putting up a hanging basket, I think. Is it? It's something like that. Or, like, a bracket for a shelf. It's a, it's a bracket of some yeah. description. Um, I, I couldn't figure out what it what it was either. But Jeremy just calls it the bit. Yeah, and he says that they could do anything with this. We could smash a window with it, break a lock, hit a man over the head with it. Like, whose line is it anyway for criminals? <laughs> we could sit on it for entertainment, or I could wedge it in a door. <laughs> yeah, he tries to wedge it into Zara's door, uh, and just as he's failing to open the door with this, Mark says that she's he's found a simpler way of doing it because he's found the spare key underneath the bucket. And I wrote in my notes, why didn't they try using the spare key on the door downstairs? But since you explained to me what double locking is, I can totally understand why they wouldn't. Yeah, there's no point. It's not going to work. They, they'd be able to tell from the look of the key. They only work on the flat. Yeah. Um, so thankfully, they are back in um, Zara's flat where there's you know, food and water, and Jeremy wonders if she's the sort of dirty sausage that keeps a little skin flick in the back of her movie cabinet. <laughs> yeah. Uh-uh. Um, Mark says, do you think you could take some time out from the masturbatathon that is your life, which is a great expression, uh, to go to my son's christening. And he then tries to think of what Sophie's mobile number is with the landline. Yeah, and he can't really remember. Um, he tries something, and it's ringing, and Mark gets excited, but it ends up being a man. Jeremy tells him to try all the variations of numbers, and Mark says, try all the variations of the five or six numbers I'm not sure of. And I just Googled how many variations of numbers there could be, and there was 900,000 variations <laughs> of numbers. Yeah, Jeremy seems to think they've got the time for all the variations, but Mark is more certain there'll be a larger amount. But I thought, if you've given up your mobile phone, wouldn't you have, like, an old-fashioned address book that you carried around with you? Yeah, like a little black book full yeah. of, Yeah, yeah, so know, it seems weird he's and... not got Sophie's number, but okay. Um, Did you ever have one of those? Not, like, a little black book, but, like, just a like an address book in general? Yeah, yeah, back before... I didn't get my first mobile phone until I was, like, 15. So, yeah, I did, yeah. Did you? 
15? Jesus, I didn't get my first mobile until I was 20. Yeah, but it was probably about the same time. What year was it? 2000? 2001? Yeah, I got my first in 1999, so... Damn, look at you, all <laughs> hip and trendy and shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember my sister and her husband were like the first people that got rid of their landline and just went... That I knew anyways, that got rid of their landline and just went straight to only using their mobile. Oh, and I remember rates. at the time... Yeah, I remember at the time thinking to myself, like, Jesus Christ, like, how are you even making this possible? And, you know, now at work, when I ask people if the phone number they're giving me is a home or a cell number, they go, yeah, does anybody still have home lines anymore? And I'm like, <laughs> fuck you, people still have home lines, I've got to ask, you fucking asshole, please don't give me a hard time. Thank you. My nan, she still uses a landline, that's about it. Yeah, I mean... Nicole and I technically have a landline. Yeah, us too. But... It's unplugged though, I think, or on mute. Yeah, yeah. Um, at this point, you kind of start to hear the uh, keys rattling, and you hear Ben on the phone, and he just says, "Yeah, I'm just heading into my bitch's place right now. I'm grabbing my laptop and gonna chow down on some brunch a kiss." And if you didn't hate Ben before. This line really fucking pissed me off. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's a horrible man, and that is clear. But Jez says they need to hide. And Mark says in a really pleading tone that makes me laugh, no, I don't want to hide. And Jeremy uh, says they have to, and they go and hide in the bathroom. Yeah. Mark is uh, telling him that they should just face up to their responsibilities like men. Jeremy tells him, you know, sure, go on ahead then. And Mark says, I mean, not actually, but we should at least consider it. Mark, uh, And then Jeremy says, look, once he's had brunch a kiss, he'll piss off and we can make a break for it. And Mark says, but how long is that going to take? We don't know how long we're going to be stuck in here. Uh, and then they're actually, I guess we should state, they're actually standing in the shower and so this next little bit is so goddamn funny because the camera angles are super tight on their faces. Um, they start talking about the French revolution or the French resistance again. Mark says that it would have been a terribly difficult time, but he probably would have kept his head down. Jeremy's like, I totally would have joined up. And Mark is, you know, chides him and says, ah, it's very easy to say, Jeremy, but you would have risked death, not just for you and your family. They begin to have this whole, like, long fucking conversation about um, the resistance, and it ends with Jeremy just saying, don't apologize to me, apologize to Europe. <laughs> yes, because Jeremy says that he would have just got on a train to Berlin and taken Hitler down. Um, and Mark seems to think that this is perhaps unrealistic. Um, and what's really funny as well, that they're kind of whispering it to each other, because obviously they're hiding, so they're having this whispered argument about whether or not Jeremy would have gone and taken Hitler down. Um, you hear Ben outside and he's using that like kind of jargon that we've talked about before with Alan where he's like, I don't know why they're called beanie hats. Look, I just think beanie hats are what it's all about now. And as he's having this phone conversation, he walks into the bathroom and he sits down to take a shit. And Ben is, of course, the kind of asshole that would talk to somebody on the phone while taking a shit. Yeah, of course, he, he definitely is. He's a disgusting pig. And he says, uh, he says something about, hang on, I'm going to find the line. I don't know why they're called beanie hats, dude. Maybe in the olden days, he get beans in them, which is just really makes me laugh. He's talking to someone about beanie hats on the phone and says this. 
Um, Mark and Jeremy are having this the quietest conversation you ever hear in your life. And they're just like, oh, this is so horrible. We need to get out of here. And um, Jeremy's like, no, Mark, if you go out there, you'll destroy my, me. You'll destroy my career. And Jer- uh, Mark says, either that or destroy my relationship with my son. And then they just keep talking back and forth while Ben is just taking the biggest, like, most disgusting shit ever. And the look on, on their faces as it continues is so fucking funny. Yeah, it's exactly what you would look like if this was happening. Um, Jeremy tells Mark that he should run out of the bathroom, just kind of like yelling, steal the radio and run out of the house to kind of distract Ben. Um, <laughs> Mark asks, what if Ben stabs me? And Jeremy says, uh, he won't stab you. At this point, we hear Zara kind of come into the flat and she says, Ben. And Ben says, yeah, hi, honey. I'm in your home. Forgot my laptop. And it's just weird to see the, like, um, the difference in Ben when Zara is there and when Zara is not there. Yeah, he's gone from, like, wanker to sort of vaguely pleasant. Um, at this point, the uh, Ben's phone rings again and he picks it up and it's Beanie Man. Beanie Man! And Zara comes into the bathroom and Jeremy says, here she comes, if she washes, oh no, he says here she comes, and he thinks, if she washes, I stay put, toilet action, and I'm coming out. Of course she would, you gross bastard. <laughs> um, and she sort of starts to unzip her jeans, and then they leap out to surprise her. <laughs> oh god, this is so funny. I feel so bad for Zara here, like, she's just got this look on her face, like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, she's like, what the hell, and... They explain they got stuck in the airlock between the flat and the front door and then they got back in, but then Ben came, so we hid. And she says, what, so he doesn't know you're here? And they say, no. And she says, what are we going to do? And they say, they don't know. And she's like, this is really weird for me. Like, you're standing in my bath. This is a really weird conversation. Oh, I love this. Um, And Jeremy tries to assure her that it's not some weird thing. We're not touching ourselves or touching each other. Um, she, at this point, Jeremy and Zara get into this really, really fucking funny conversation where Jeremy is trying to convince, convince Zara to go break up with Ben. He might leave all crying and then, you know, everything's cushy. Zara's like, I can't handle this right now, Jeremy. We should just put this whole thing on ice. Jeremy just wants to clarify, do you mean like dancing on ice? And Zara <laughs> says, no, like they put dead bodies on ice. David Mitchell is just com- is getting more and more uncomfortable looking as the scene goes on. Then they start talking about the sex and uh, Jeremy says, is this about last night? Cause I can do better. I know I can. I didn't even go down on you, which is a great shame because I love to go down on women. Don't I Mark. And Mark has this bottle of shampoo in his hand and he's just like rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. <laughs> Always with the rinse and repeat. <laughs> the way as well that Zara says like they put dead bodies on ice is brilliant like the way she just cuts him off mid-flow is like the probably the most brutal dumping that Jess has got to date oh my god it's yeah it's really really fucking brutal yeah and then she says it's over Jess that's the headline and um <laughs> and poor Jeremy just looks so crestfallen yeah uh Zara says that Ben can't find out because um, you know, she doesn't want Ben to find out about this little 
you know, what's been happening because she doesn't want to break up over one little blip. Jeremy wonders why he's the one that keeps on getting dumped. Yeah, yeah, why am I the one that keeps getting dumped? Why am I the bad person? Um, and Mark tries to reassure him that he's not a bad person. Zara's just having a wobble. <laughs> yeah. Um, at this point, Ben knocks on the door and says, Hey, hun, can I jump on the jump in the shower? I'm so sweaty. My sack stuck to my leg with super glue. <laughs> <laughs> and Zara asks for five minutes. Yeah. Um, so she then says that she's going to have to, they're going to have to go. It's going to, you know, they're not going to be able to resolve this really. Mark says that he's got to leave because he's, he's, you know, it's just a facade now. He's, it's ridiculous. He says he's got to go. He's got to go to his son's Christian. So he's going to go. And then Ben sort of, they bump into each other and Ben's like, what are they doing here? What's going on? Yeah. It's really funny. Uh, ben is like kind of chilling on the couch and, Zara, Mark, and Jeremy all just walk into the living room, and um, Mark tries to leave. He's like, I gotta go, goodbye. And Ben is just really confused as to why Mark and Jeremy are there. Um, Jeremy tries to explain. He says that sometimes me and Mark, Zara lets us use this place for, and Ben just will not let Jeremy get a word in. What? What for? What for? And Jeremy says, to meet. And Jeremy basically like starts to insinuate that him and Mark meet at Zara's place to have sex. Yes, which I don't think makes loads of sense because they live together. Mark comes back into the room and he just says, uh, the door is still double locked. Can I get a key? Ben just shuts him down. No, but <laughs> what the fuck? Why here? Why not at your place? Jeremy tries to pawn this off on Mark, and Mark just says, we feel safe here. There's a lot of prejudices and labels in the world, but here it's a free zone. Now can I get that key? <laughs> yeah. And Ben's just like, still no, like, he's just, he can't get his head around this because it's really, really weird. Yeah. Uh, at this point, he notices that Jeremy is still wearing his pants, Jeremy says, look, the truth is sometimes we like to pretend that one of us is you so that the other one gets to fuck him. <laughs> Which is just horrible and horrifying. And why did that come into Jeremy's head? Oh, why did any of this come into Jeremy's head? Let's, okay, Laura, let's think of a more plausible reason that Mark and Jeremy could have been there. Uh, All right. They were What's doing... a more plausible? They were doing Zara a favor, moving some furniture. Yeah, they were fixing her uh, boiler. Yeah, yeah. There's any any one of a number of reasons that, you know, they they would have been there that didn't involve them having to cop to having gay sex with each other. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's that's not... That shouldn't be the first thing that comes into Jeremy's mind, definitely. Ben looks at Jeremy and says... You're not gay guys. You look like shit for gay guys. And Jeremy gets offended. He says, hey, you don't know all the kinds of gay guys. We're not all clones from the clone zone. And then Jeremy just thinks to himself, God, I'd be a great gay guy. At this point, he hears Mark scream out in agony. And then they all run over to the window and Mark is laying kind of exaggeratedly on the ground. Jeremy asks if he did a parachute roll. Mark says sort of. And then... um. Jeremy shouts down, you to man, and he thinks to himself, my God, he did it. What an incredibly brave dick pipe. <laughs> it's, uh, the sound he makes is very reminiscent of when he gets electrocuted by the doorbell. It's a very similar 
scream that Mark yes. emits at this point. And so, yeah, they. Uh, this is where the the scene moves, you know, for the first or the, only the second time in the whole episode, the scene moves to Sophie's ancestral home, the, the ha- massive house that her mum and dad live in. Um, and they are walking up the, or Mark and Jeremy are walking up the path towards it. Jeremy is talking to Mark and he says, well, he didn't actually say I was sacked. I mean, he didn't say it. Mark says that he thinks it was implied. And Jeremy thinks that actually he aced it. Um, <laughs> Mark thinks to himself, I feel bad when everything's basically fine while he feels good after enduring the most humiliating day of his life. It's infuriating. Uh, they knock on the door. Sophie's father, Ian, opens the door and just starts to chastise Mark and Jeremy for showing up late to the christening. <laughs> yeah. Um, she's, they they um, apologize. Mark says, sorry, we're late. And Ian says, you've missed your son's christening, but you've made it in time for the sandwiches. Congratulations. In just the most sarcastic tone he can possibly muster. Um, <laughs> he says that his children's christenings were two of the proudest days of his life. What happened? Did you take a wrong turn and your sat was broken? Um, and Sophie chimes in at this point and, and Mark says that it was complicated. Yeah, and Sophie's just like, you can tell that to your son. Um but we do find out that Jeff was kind enough to stand in as a godfather, which actually makes way more sense to me than Jeremy. Yes, yeah, exactly. He's closer to him, I would have thought. Sophie's clearly in a relationship with him at this point, so I think probably it worked out for the best. Yep. Jeremy says, oh, that's good. He would have hated for baby Ian to go to hell because of silly old him. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And they then start having a conversation about the um names jeff says that you know get me a pint mate and we'll call it quits and sophie says very smugly that we put our heads together and i hope you don't mind but at the last minute we just thought that ian james sounded much much more him yep and mark just thinks to himself oh fuck uh jeff hands everybody glasses of champagne and he says to baby ian and they all come back baby ian uh, Mark thinks to himself, mmm, sweet, delicious, rancid champagne. And with that, we get the end of the episode. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm sorry that you didn't like yeah, this episode. Yeah, actually, kind of talking about it more, I didn't hate it. I just think it's a bit nothingy, is my feeling about the episode. Yeah, it definitely feels like a filler episode, almost yeah. like uh, Jeremy and Love did last season, yeah, where it's yeah. an episode just for the sake of having an episode. Yeah, now I'm going to say that my where I've placed it is pretty harsh, so maybe if I made this list again, so would you like to guess about where I've put it? Oh, let's see here. Have we done... 40... Have we, have we already talked about 48? Uh, let me look. List 48. No. Okay, I'm going to go with 48. Okay, you're not far off. Uh, it was number 50. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't... So wow, I, so you think this is the fourth worst episode of Peep Show? I think I do. I, I still stand by the other ones that are lower than it. But I don't know Which... where... I don't know what I'd swap it with higher. Uh, oh, that's easy. Um, 
Jeremy and Love. Yeah, I suppose it's sort of in a similar, yeah, I kind of I, I overestimated how much I liked that one. Yeah, it was fine. This was fine, but it is just a bit fillery. It's got some really funny bits, so I really enjoy the reveal when Ben finds them in the bath and he says that, you know, you look like shit for gay guys. You're definitely not gay guys. Like, there's some real funny stuff comes from Ben, but not there's not enough of it. Oh, I was howling at the conversation where they're talking about the French resistance in the shower. I was howling at that. Especially the face that um, Robert Webb makes when Ben is using the bathroom is really, really good physical comedy from him. Yeah, it's um, it, it, that whole bit in the bathroom really is very funny. And I think that, I just think that, that maybe they spent too long in the hallway and, and maybe that was the point because they're in the nether zone, but maybe it just got a bit samey. And by the time they get to where they find the bit, the bit in the bit and then find the key, it's a bit like I've just been a bit exhausted by the episode already and there's still like another 10 minutes to go. Uh, I could totally see that. Do you remember what you felt about this episode when you watched it the very first time? I, I think I felt like it was a filler episode then. I wasn't thrilled by it. Oh, okay. I was just curious. Yeah, I don't you... I don't remember exactly, but I I remember that by the time we sort of reached this point, and this was the first season for me where I really felt like this, there was sort of there was some I felt like there was some filler material in here quite often. And I think for the rest of this season and for series eight, I feel the same way. Although I really like I'm controversially really like series nine, so I don't feel like that about series nine. Oh, don't worry. You and I are on a similar page with Series 9, so I'm really looking forward to Series 9 in about two or three months. Yeah, I um, but, but yeah, just for me, at this point, Series 7 and 8, 6 to an extent, were just a bit like, okay, not that the quality had dropped, because it's still better than pretty much most other things that are on the TV, but... Like, I, for me, I think series sort of one to four, there isn't any filler, really. Like, there's the occasional dud episode, but it's all great. And then it starts to sort of dwindle off. And, and this was kind of the, the, the days where the, they were dialing, they were phoning it in a little bit. Should we say that? Is that is that diplomatic enough? I'm on the same page with you there yeah. where, you know, it's kind of like, okay, what other wacky situations can we put our two main characters in? Yeah, exactly. And, and there comes a point at which I know it's a sitcom. So I know that that's, you know, you can't sort of be too, taking it too seriously like, in that regard. But there's only so many crazy situations two 30-something guys can get into. And it feels a bit <laughs> like, oh, okay, we've done them all now. So kind of transitioning away from Peep Show, uh a show that I have completely fucking fallen in love with car share comes to its end on May 28th. So Laura, why don't you kind of talk to people and tell them what we're going to do for car share for that May 28th episode? Yeah. So, um, I don't know how many people that listen to us are fans of car share. I think there probably is a crossover. I know that there's been a kind of movement towards Peter K being a little bit, like passe maybe in sort of recent years he sort of you know he's kind of he's is gentle comedy I think that would be fair to say it's not edgy comedy that Peter Kay specializes in but Car Share for anyone that's not familiar with it um is a sitcom based around a two people in a car they're on a work car share scheme and they come to they don't know each other but they get to know each other through being in the car share at work and there have been two series on bbc one well the first series was all on iplayer 
um, much like uh, this, country this country is now, yeah, um, in 2015. And then the second series of four episodes aired last year on a massive cliffhanger. And Peter Kay said he wasn't doing any more. And then he's relented and he's written one more finale episode that's going to round the story off. Uh, and that is going to be aired next week on our bank holiday. So Sean has just watched all of series one and is going to watch series two this week. And what we've decided to do is to uh, talk about Crasher a bit and to record our reactions to watching the final episode as a kind of commentary. Yeah, would you say that would be a fair assessment of what we're going to do, a commentary? Yeah, it'll be like a director's commentary for the episode, except it'll not be directors and it won't really be commentary, but it'll just be you and me yeah, kind of talking about it. fawning over yeah. how good the show yeah, is. Yeah, um, I know that. So um, Peter Kay has recently, he's been out of the public eye. He's not doing any interviews because of something that's happening in his private life. We don't know what, um, but he withdrew all these tour dates for like two years ahead. So obviously something pretty serious is going on with him right now. But he did in back in April, he appeared at um, a special charity screening of the last episode and fans have, have been sworn to secrecy. In fact, I think they had to sign non-disclosure agreements, but they have said that they were happy with the ending. So I hope that the ending is positive because I think that if it's not, I might have to write a letter to him and the prime minister and the queen like i'm so over invested in john and kaylee's relationship so i'm really looking forward to watching it one thing i was telling nicole um that i really like about the show is that i like how genuine their relationship feels well they were friends so um so the actress sean gibson who plays kaylee uh, and peter Kay met at university and they have been friends for like 25 years so that's probably ah, okay. why it feels so genuine yeah, I mean, even even in the early episode, you know, even in like the first episode, you can tell that the two just sort of have kind of a natural chemistry with yeah. each other. Yeah, definitely. And I've been working on writing something um, for people who don't know about Clarshare to kind of get a grip on it if they're interested in starting from the beginning or knowing more about it or knowing more about what Peter Kay's done because he's got a very long... Uh, a very long CV and there's a lot of great comedy going back sort of 20 years that people might not necessarily know about so I will be tweeting that out tomorrow when I'm going to try and tweet along with the series two episodes that are airing back to back tomorrow oh it'll be it'll be past by the time you hear this but Monday night on BBC one so go on to our Twitter and there'll be some stuff about Clarkshare. I really enjoy that you had to find subtitled versions of the episodes. I think I mentioned this on the show last week is uh, that I sat down to watch an episode with my wife and I don't know, five, six minutes in, we were both looking at each other like, what the fuck did she just say? <laughs> what did she squirt all over his shirt? <laughs> I don't fucking understand a thing that's going on here. And so I kind of put it to the side and then I realized that the files that i had also came with subtitles and then once i turned the subtitles on i was like oh okay yeah i can totally understand better. what they're saying now yeah i mean even so sean gibson not so much but peter k has got a very thick lancashire accent and i don't i like i can understand what he's saying i don't need subtitles but i can see that even to my ear he's got a very strong accent so i can see that for you 
that it would be some of that stuff would be mysterious like especially as he quite often shortens words or uses um like blends words together in a way that northerners do that again i'm familiar with because i've known northerners but if you don't and haven't had to speak to someone with that accent it would be most confusing well and then i was really glad when people explained the whole like are hearing your merry thing to me because yeah. i was just like what 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 the fuck are they talking about <laughs> i don't know if it was published over there but i highly recommend his uh two memoirs that particularly the first one um which he wrote about growing up which are very very like hugely funny i remember so the first one the sound of laughter came out about three weeks after i broke up with my boyfriend whose stuff i later threw in the bit uh, burnt in the bin and I was not in a good place, but I remember it was the first thing that made me laugh after being split, like breaking up with him. And I, I don't think I'd smiled for about a month. And this book was the first thing that made me laugh. And it's always, it's my go-to book. I've got it by the side of my bed. If I need a quick laugh, it's really funny. Oh, well, that's good. I, I'm going to say I'm going to check that out, but I can <laughs> Guarantee kind of you won't, but... Guarantee yeah. I probably won't. There's probably bits of it on the internet. You probably read it in bits. That probably suit you better. Can I use these bits to... Can I sit on these bits or use them to open a door? <laughs> yeah, we can use the bit for something. Yeah. Uh, no, but I'm really excited uh, about, you know, talking about car share... Um, we might also have some additional car share related material, um, but I don't really want to go into that too much yeah, right now because it's still kind of have, in so the. We'll see what happens. It's also worth yeah. mentioning as well that the music in car share is brilliant as well. And I think I sent I sent you a playlist on Facebook, but I have to tweet out someone has made a playlist on YouTube of every song in car share, and it's just got some absolute bangers on it because they listen to the radio throughout the the car throughout the episodes and the songs are are one of the best things in it i've had a blue uh, birdhouse in your soul by they might be giants stuck in my head for going on a week now i my favorite thing about that is that kaylee thinks it was sung by the muppets and he calls her a moron yep and then laura linked uh found a deal a contest and it says Acast is launching a podcast competition to find the uk's next podcast star and as we are podcasters and even though despite the fact that i'm an american this is a heavily british podcast uh, yes we are going to attempt to enter this uh this contest for kind of the next iteration of our show when we're done with peep show um if we if we make it that far, there's going to be a vote. So hopefully we will use our massive Twitter and Facebook reach um, to help solicit votes and yeah, see what see what there where see where that takes us. I think at the very least it will make us reconsider our game, and that's never a bad thing. And maybe up it a bit. So yeah, I'm looking forward to having a go at entering this. Yeah, me too. Um, anything else? Have you watched anything else? I haven't actually. We've just started the Netflix series, um, Rain, which is a, I want to say Danish drama. We've been watching it with the subtitles, obviously. Um, and we've watched the first couple of episodes of that and it was really good. So, um, yeah, I've been enjoying that. Sorry, I sound distracted because I've just looked at our Twitter again. I tweeted something at quarter past six this evening. So, 
not even three hours ago, which is it was that me- it was that mem that I sent you on Facebook saying it was like sick in the head. It's had fifteen thousand like impressions. What? Holy shit! Wow, that's insane. Yeah, that's there nuts. must be there must be like some serious like people retweeting this. I'd I'd really like to look at the analytics of this later. Yeah, it's nuts. Uh, wow, that's an... yeah, that's crazy. Wow, yeah, but no, haven't been watching or doing much else this week because uh, the Mercedes got a cough. She's not been very well and has been in our bed from about six o'clock at night. So haven't had a chance to watch anything because I've just been laying in the bed with her. So hopefully this week will be better for TV. Yeah, I watched um, the Netflix series Thirteen Reasons Why. Oh, is it any good? It's on my list to watch. Uh, so I don't, I don't. All right, I don't. This might sound a little douchey. I don't know that it's necessarily good. But you enjoyed but it. But I really, but I really fucking enjoy it. Yeah, I've heard that it's uh, it's really um, compelling. So yeah, it's one of the. So Phil does. Um, so the whole reason I got on your podcast in the first place was because Phil was doing exam marking, and that was why I got in touch with you because I was listening to stuff where he was exam marking. So every year he does this exam marking for like six weeks that takes him out of action and he every hour God sends he's doing exam marking. And I save things up. So it's on my list on Netflix to watch when he's doing exam marking. So I'm glad to hear it's compelling because I need to have good stuff to watch. Uh, I mean, it's good. It is just... It's a fucking relentless show. So just be prepared. I'm That's all I'm that getting at. I'm, saving, yeah, I'm that... saving the second season of The Crown that... And something else I've got saved as well. So, yeah, that, oh, I'm glad that you say it's worth a watch. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I said, I don't, you know... Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I'm not really sure if it's good, but I just find it super compelling. Mm, it was enjoyable. Yeah. the ca- I mean, the cast is fantastic. Like, all the... All the cast is super good, um, which is what I really enjoy about it. Um, if you've suffered from rape or you have suicidal thoughts or stuff like that triggers you, not that I think it would trigger you, but if it if that kind of stuff triggers you, it would be I definitely would stay away from it because the... Uh, suicide scene in season one is quite fucking graphic and pretty like stomach churning to be honest with you Mm, um i'm not i've got quite a strong stomach for that sort of thing so but good to know for anyone that might not have yeah uh the main villain of the show and i don't even know that he's necessarily the villain but kind of like the main bad guy is i was just thinking today as i was watching some of the series two episodes like you know how sometimes in a show they'll introduce a bad guy, but then they'll kind of show like, oh, this is his tragic past and this is why he's a dickhead? Yes. And then you're like, oh, well, he's really not that bad. Okay, so the main villain of the show is a fucking asshole. He's a piece of shit. And I think even if they tried to do some sort of redemption arc, he's such a piece of shit that I don't think it would, I don't think it would matter. <laughs> okay, all right. And now I'm going to look forward to watching that now then. Yeah. Uh, so, anyways, um, let's see here. 
We will be back next week. Next week, we are going to have a guest on the show with us. We are going to have Keelan from the uh, Decline of Modern Televisation podcast, which is his, his own podcast. He is one of our Patreon subscribers, so somehow we're going to work out time zones between an American, uh, Euro uh, European, an American, a British person, and an Australian, so we may record at weird hours next week, but we'll figure something out, and we're going to have Keelan on to talk about a very fucking great, very fucking awesome episode called Seasonal Beatings. Yeah, looking forward to doing that. Um, and yeah, it doesn't matter for me because I'm it's school holiday. So just tell me when it's good for you two, and I'll fit around it. All right, um, I'm really looking forward to talking about seasonal beatings. This is a really, really cult. This is a really, really cult episode. I think this is probably one of my more favorite series seven episodes. It's a great Christmas episode as well. If you, I don't know about you, but we've got Christmas episodes of things we like that we watch every year, and this is one of them. So yeah. Uh, okay, yeah, I haven't watched this one every Christmas, but uh, I could definitely see that. Um, but yeah, it's a great episode, got some funny bits, uh, some great parts with Mark's parents, Superhands, Dobby, the whole, the whole crew the whole is represented gang. well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, here we go. So this is the El Dude Brothers signing off. We will be back next week with episode 49, Seasonal Beatings. Eh, eh, eh. Bye. Goodbye. I am in loco parentis. I am the last remaining contestant of The Apprentice. I am the home trained dentist. Ay, 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 ay,